guys, welcome to my fields. My name's Joshua Michael. We got the resident tough guy, Mr. Tony Morales. What's going on, brother? Man, it's another day in paradise, man. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you too, man. Like it's uh, it's nice being able to celebrate uh, as best we can. We got good friends, we got good family, and you know we pulled we pulled off Christmas without a hitch. Oh yeah, Christmas was great, dude. Freaking my little my kid made out like a little bandit. It's ridiculous, dude. I I wish we weren't having to do so much social distancing because I would have been there with like the second like. You would have let the word out to any of the boys that there was like a tree with uh, 40 uh, wrestling action figures under it. Uh, there, was more. there was more of them by the end of the night. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Jeez. That's what happens when you get an Amazon account two months off and freaking money coming in. Understood, Shoot. man. Glad you're ridiculous. still getting paid. Yeah, that's freaking, everything worked out well. God, what show was it I was watching? I think it was My Name is Earl. Yeah, it was My Name is Earl when... Uh, Love the, that show. The the witch kidnapped Earl and drugged him, and Randy didn't want to go in, and uh, it'd been like three hours, he's sitting in the car, and he knocks on the door, he's like, is my brother here? And he's like, she's like, oh yes, he's downstairs in the basement playing with wrestling action figures and watching <laughs> pornographic movies. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I've got all four seasons on DVD. Man. I do too, I man. I love that show, dude. I, that was my like I'm sad show for a while. Like what, like, like once a year if I get down, I'll just watch the whole goddamn thing in one big burst. It <laughs> it never got bad. I mean, like they they had the best stars. They had Joey Diaz like singing about like uh, the cops theme song, like Tim Stacks, Tim Stacks, set him on fire, watch him burn to death. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like good old crab man. Hey, Earl. Oh, dude, dude, I, 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 uh, I learned something about crab man a couple weeks ago. Um, did you ever watch the Chris Rock show back in the day? Uh, here and there, yeah. Do you remember the skit "How Not to Get Your Ass Kicked by the Police"? Yeah, actually, yeah. That's crab man. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you if you're playing fuck the police while getting pulled over by the police, that's just plain ignorant. <laughs> and it was it was Crab Man. He was the one that like was getting his ass beat smoking a joint while, <laughs> while jumping a turnstile. <laughs> I'll have to go back and rewatch that now, dang. Dude, I'll send that to you, man. Uh, but like back to the action figures, man. You can lure any of us back with some action figures, man. Like when you're talking about like just like like uh getting into the AEW um action figure hole it reminded me when people warned me about Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want to get you, you start, you get one pack, you're you're doomed. You're you're doomed. I, I that, it was the same thing for me, but it was uh, the Pops figures. My wife got me two Pops figures. It was a uh, Flash from the TV show and Arrow from Arrow. And I looked at her and I was like, "You done fucked up." Yep. Cuz I, I didn't tell her about my whole collection thing and she's like, "What do you mean? No, oh, this is a gift for you." I was like, "Yes, and I appreciate it." But now I have to get them all. I have to get them all. Man, I wish I'd have known you last year when I saw the uh, limited edition Deadpool over at Walmart. Oh, nice. The one everyone was scrambling for. I remember everyone was shitting over it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it was looking at me, and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, actually, uh, I got a pair of pops. I got one Gambit, and I got one of the, uh, I got the Nightcrawler from uh, the Fox movies for Christmas, so... That's always awesome. Which Nightcrawler? Uh, we're talking about Cody Smith, uh, McPhee. No, the uh, the first one. Uh, um, gay dude from Romeo, R- Rome, Romeo Michelle. Fucking love was that he? movie. Yeah, 
I always, I always remember he freaking did uh, The Mask, too. He was low-key in The Mask, too. He was uh, Alan something. Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. Yep. That's where it comes. Yeah, that's right. No, no, it's Al- Alan Cummings. It's, yeah, the original ones. I wonder if that's his real name or he just started out in gay porn and just, you know, just didn't change the gimmick name. Hey, man, each of their own, dude. Each of their own. Hey, I'm not judging. <laughs> I love that guy, man. <laughs> I... I uh, Apparently you and everybody else, according to what you're thinking. Shit, man. Romy Michelle, like... The only thing I didn't like him in was he was a bastard in this really shitty, like, uh, HBO made-for-TV movie thing. I think it was called Circle of Friends, and he was, like, this piece of shit in it. And uh, I remember watching it because I thought it was, like, a softcore. <laughs> and, like, by the time I realized it, that it wasn't, it was too late. <laughs> you were in too deep? Yeah, I was in too deep and I had to finish you're, it. You ever holding your teddy bear crying? <laughs> Hey, hey, man, sometimes that works out, though. Like the hey, two t- everyone needs a good cry every now and again, man. I'm the last guy to judge. Well, speaking of cry, man, uh, don't don't give any spoilers, all right? Because we're recording this uh, the night of AW. I'm going to watch it tonight. You already watched most of it. Yeah. Um, uh, when I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to. I was talking to a homeboy at work today about AW, and he was like, are you worried about tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'm worried about tonight. First off, I know it's going to be a fucking tearjerker, and I get worried about things that can obviously be emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want to, God, I, I just, I want it to, I want them to pull it off with love and, and dignity and respect. And I know they're going to do that, but I don't, you know, it's AEW, so I, you know, all my faith is 100% in them. But if yeah. it was WWE, I can imagine them just working the waterworks and that sort of shit, you know? Oh, yeah, no, it was, I'm not going to lie, dude, freaking it was, you know, I, I kind of, I got off at six, freaking rushed home to kind of you know, freaking check it out and kind of give my support to, cause that is, man, that's, that's tough. And, you know, they really, I, I think they pulled it off. They knocked it out of the park. You know, it was really, really respectful, really kind of, it was fun. You know, you laughed a little bit, you know, in the right spots. And it was really kind of a tribute to the life of, you know, who apparently a, a guy who was apparently a great guy and, you know, he, they talked about they they openly say it. He's they're like uh, I think Jericho says it in the in the show. He's like you know Brody Lee's one of those guys like an Owen Hart or an Eddie Guerrero, where like you know no matter what locker room he's in, no matter how old or young he was at the time, nobody could say a bad word about him. That's that's such a great way to put it, especially even seeing all the testimonials. People I would never expect that these guys were homies. Yeah. Like, uh, Xavier Woods posted something that was just really, really heavy, and, like, like really, like, like when you invest that much in, like, it, it, everyone talked about him like he was, like, either their best friend or, like, almost their, almost their best friend. Yeah. And that's a lot to stretch yourself thin just as a person, uh, but to happily do that sort of thing, it really speaks to the character and, and of, of the man, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm glad. I do have to say, I have not always been... The biggest Brody Lee fan. The first time I saw Brody Lee um, was him as Luke Harper. Um, mm-hmm. It was the I just started rewatching WB, and it was right after WrestleMania. So um, Daniel, um, God, um, why am I spacing? Brian. Daniel Bryan had the Intercontinental, and it was like their first match. It was just a random fucking SmackDown, and uh, Brody Lee took. If I remember correctly. Uh, uh, Dan and Brian got hurt in that match. And I was like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I was I was I was bitter about it for a while, but the more and more I, I I got into it and started learning wrestling and understanding the business about how that guy just, you know, 
puts everything over he can, just works locker room leader. I mean, like, I, I, I feel guilty about it, so uh, I just want to, like, air that, that, you know, I, I respect him, but, like, I don't want to sound like that ultimate guy that just went and bought everything off Pro Wrestling Tees right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shoot, man, yeah, no, he was, you know, like I said, I think I saw him originally, like I saw him Ring of Honor, I think, right around the age of the fall with uh, Tyler Black and Jimmy Jacobs and all that. That was yeah, he was freaking, he was, you know, I, I always liked him, always thought he was really good. You know, I never had the opportunity to meet him or nothing, so I can't, you know, say anything about that. But, you know, like I said, man, when, you know, when that many people are talking about how great of a guy you are, you know, people are going out of their way and you kind of, you see some, you see some stuff you wouldn't expect to see on the show, which is super cool. But it's, it's, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, just a little bit of a spoiler they do a freaking um they do a tribute video and if you notice a lot of the pictures on the tri- in the tribute video or a lot of the same images you're seeing on like facebook and myspace yeah and i, I kind of caught that and i was like that really it kind of showed that it was more than just aew paying tribute to this man right it was freaking it was like the wrestling community kind of coming together to freaking pay tribute to this one guy who meant so much to them. And it was really kind of like, it kind of brought it to like a different level. Cause like, you know, it's, it's one thing to be like, Oh, Hey, you know, he was an AEW guy or he was a former WWF superstar, WWE superstar or whatever. But like when you see so many people coming together over one guy, it kind of shows the impact that, that guy had, whether, you know, in front of the camera or behind it. We can all appreciate it, and I'm glad that, you know, we, we got to get to know what little bits we have of knowing him, just, you know, you just never met him, meeting him. The the one thing I do feel, though, is there was a huge missed opportunity with him. Uh, marketing dirty wife beaters <laughs> with his logo. I mean, how easy would that have been to just screen print oh, yeah. a small logo on a dirty ass wife beater? I would have, I would have, dude, even if I didn't know who the guy was and I mm-hmm. saw that, like, that guy's selling dirty wife beaters, that's his gimmick? All right, fuck it. Give me, give me one. <laughs> give me five. <laughs> give me two. Get a, wear one I can wear, one to keep, one to keep safe. <laughs> You're not wrong. But one thing, I, I can't remember who the heck said it. Oh, I want to say it was one of the New Day or something. But, like, apparently he took pride in making his wife beaters as dirty as they could be. <laughs> but yet they always smelled immaculate. <laughs> like, he was the cleanest, dirty hippie you ever saw. Oh, that's awesome. Plus his taste in metal with Eric Rowan, man. I love that they worked that little bit of into it. What little bit they had mm-hmm. with it was the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I appreciate the. I don't want to get too much in the waterworks for that, but you know we got. Oh yeah, Lord no. We got All some like good, a baby. I <laughs> dude, like a lot of people don't understand that about wrestlers or people in the business or people in the comics like that is that uh, you hit the right nerve and we'll cry like a baby in in public at the theater. <laughs> dude, it ain't even. It wasn't even that. It was freaking like when I became a father. Freaking that kind of. All that stuff. Like, I freaking watch anything and no problem. Now I watch, like, freaking The Incredibles, and I'm just, like, bawling like a baby. Dude. Gets me in the feels every time. John Q broke me. Oh, I've never seen it. Need to. No, oh, dude. No, if you, that one's guaranteed to, to, to fuck you up, man. Like, I think I... I don't know if I still own it. I know I did at one point, but I never got around to actually watching it. So I might have to take a look at that one. 
uh, when Snape died. Uh, a funny story, um, uh, when, before we get into comics, when, uh, Harry Potter and Deathly Hollers Part 2 came out uh, in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, my good friend and I, Josh, we have this club called Oh Josh Rules, and we just, uh, the whole gimmick is that we're just assholes, <laughs> and that we're never, <laughs> we're never going down, and, uh, we bought Death Eater costumes, we got wands, we got the Dark Mark tattoos, we were on TV, uh, for the midnight showing, because we were like the only ones in full blown Death Eater uh, at the Warren Theater, and uh, you're probably like a foot taller than everybody else there. Let's face facts. Yeah, it, Josh. Josh is the same height too. We both had super long hair, and no, I think my hair was short at the time. But anyway, we sit down and we're talking through like the opening, you know, trivia stuff. And this girl, two seats away from me, are you gonna talk through the whole fucking movie? And I was like, like we're not talk. I'm not allowed to talk during the during the. Like, it wasn't even dark yet. Like, you know, like, yeah. like, he didn't turn the lights off. And then when Snape, Snape died and he did that whole always thing, I lost it. And she said something to me from across her boyfriend who was sitting right next to me. And, uh, guys, this is not language I use regularly. And I definitely respect women, but I leaned into that, her boyfriend and said, if you don't shunt that cut of your fucking girlfriend up, I'll do it for you. And, uh, full blown fight. <laughs> <laughs> Full-blown fight. Uh, Josh didn't even know what was happening. He was sitting next to me on the other side. He just saw that all of a sudden me and this guy were fighting. And then he just started kicking the guy. And my sister was a, a row in front of us. And the, the, the Warren Theater has this upper deck where you can drink. And the down one's like regular theater. But you okay. press a button. But she's one row in front of me. And I, all, all I remember was, What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then uh, security going, hey, you. And then we're like, we, I just remember Josh and I just booking it. Like, like holding up our dark, <laughs> our uh, Death Eater uh, gowns, running as fast as we can <laughs> out of the fucking theater. And and then he, he made a trip from Tulsa from OK, to OKC to see that movie with us. And mm-hmm. uh, he was like, dude, usually I'd be pissed and didn't see that movie. The ending of that movie, but that was awesome. Like, <laughs> and then uh, we we made it home. And uh, nice. The only question I have though is, was your, was your sister dressed up? No, my sister. Uh, my sister was not dressed up. My sister thought we were crazy <laughs> <laughs> because we we were full blown. Like like we weren't just like like we weren't just. Um, yeah, we dig uh, you know the the dark side type thing. I might be one of those mm-hmm. uh, anti you know anti hero Sith type things, and obviously I'm talking about Star Wars now. But no, we were full blown. We'd have been complete Death Eaters. <laughs> like there would have been no question about it. Like we would have been full blown the worst slith- slash best Slytherins. And uh, yeah, no, that that little <laughs> Josh and I would have like we were we we joke about shit all the time. But it was like, man, I just would have gone to one of those Muggle stores and bought a fucking gun and put it right in the fucking mouth of that kid. <laughs> And like, and then what? We're the we're like the best dudes in the in you know in the Death Eaters that they love us. <laughs> anyway, you've got. Let's go to the comics. We got a. Let's just change the subject, please. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Guys, I'm sorry, Morales. I'm sorry to mean to embarrass you. Apologize. That guy is gone. Um, I'm gonna do uh, recaps on He's Department of Truth now. <laughs> Settle down. I'm settling. I'm settling. Straight, going back. Straight up Hufflepuff. He's straight up Hufflepuff now. Oh, dude, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like guys, and it's one of the things that you got like. It's one of the best parts about being in this business is like if you're not roasting each other, you don't love each other. Just period. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Fucking Ravencroft, bitch. <laughs> you know, I think I did the sorting hat one time. I was a Ravenclaw. Ooh, I'd have. I don't, I don't mind. I'd have got right back in line. <laughs> nah. Better than a Hufflepuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I always imagine the the chicks from Hufflepuff to be like, you know, the the fat chicks that no one likes. I like fat chicks. I'm fat chicks. I, I didn't say hot curvy chicks. I'm talking about the dumpy ones that are like stuck in the club at one thirty five a.m. that are looking for <laughs> for the the drunkest guys. That's total difference. <laughs> eh, they try hard though. I love fat chicks I give too. Two, man. I give them two thumbs up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do Department of Truth recap, Stillwater. Uh, we're going to do Scumbag number three, New Mutants number 14, and the picture of everything else number one. Hit me up with that one first, man. Who who published that? Uh, it's, out of, it's out of Vault. I've never even heard of Vault Comics. But like I said, I just kind of picked it up on a whim because I couldn't find it. I got like one freaking Excalibur mag in my freaking box this week. But yeah, it's written by uh, Dan Water, or Waters. Uh, art and colors are by Kishore Mohan, who I've never heard of. And it's just, it's an interesting book. Like, it's just, the cover of it is just a, a guy with a photo, or a guy in a painting, and there's just blood across it, which kind of, you know, caught my attention right off the top of my head, you know? Um, but yeah, we open up, it's in the, it's in the late 19, it's in the late 18th century, in Paris, France. And it's, there's this party going on. And this mother and her two twin kids, who are their, you know, early twenties, and they're they're discussing. They're they're looking at this portrait that's um, got framed, and this this uh this it's you know this picture here, and they're just discussing whether or not this picture is going to lead to the downfall of art. Interesting. Uh, and it's kind of like it's just an interesting concept. Some say yes, some say no. What was their but, argument? Um, it's just basically that like. Since they, since the cameras are relatively new technology, taking photos, that it was going to lead to you know nobody was going to paint anymore because they could just take the same image, with yeah. uh, with the picture. So, so that's kind of it's it's interesting take on it. I hadn't you know I hadn't thought about that you know because you know by this point in you know, our lives freaking pictures are pictures and art's art, you know. That's absolutely correct, man. I mean, like I remember reading about that and. Or having been forced to read that in art history classes at, at art school and mm -hmm. it was kind of like an odd thing to me like our teacher kind of had to hammer it into us like yeah like you guys accept things pretty easily now but then then it was different because that was the whole purpose of it well capturing well depending on who it was but uh, the main consensus of people that weren't in like you know art culture was that it was to you know capture things you know to be remembered uh for as long as, as it could be Mm -hmm. And then now if it's easily just being snapped like that, but it also led to like, you know, uh, bigger movements and art, like the Dadaist movement and even me, man, like I think I've mentioned briefly to you that like, I was not a fan of digital art at first because I thought, oh, like I know that you can, there's so many cheat things you can do on this. And then now if you're not doing digital, um, you're going to get left you're gonna behind. Get left behind. Yeah. You're going to get left behind. Yeah, it makes sense, man. It's like, you know, I remember like, just kind of something dumb, you know. I remember like VHS to DVDs. That was like, oh, you know, 
you know, you didn't when you were like, oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, Blu-ray came out and it's kind of like it's a consistent. Everything changes. You know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, not that one thing's particularly better than the other, but everything's got to change and adapt to move on, to move forward. But it, it doesn't mean that the that the older bits of the older uh, forms of art are no longer relevant. I mean, like there's some things that I mean, like if you're, you're if you're playing like the original tennis from like medieval times, I mean, that's one thing you're just reenacting it uh, at a med fair or something like that. And but I mean, woodworking, uh, sculpture. I mean, these things are uh, you you've got all those pops. I mean, my big brother had uh, he he had a million of pops, but he had all those uh, yeah. He had all those uh, Marvel busts, like you know those mini ones that were like this big. Oh yeah, those ones are awesome. Yeah, he he gave me a, a Frog Thor man. It was it was just they were they were beautiful and they were art. Yeah, my uh, my wife got me a Deathstroke from the old animated series. No shit. Yeah, freaking it's it's pretty awesome. Dude, somebody loves you. Oh yeah. You don't I'm just, blessed. You don't just yeah. get a Deathstroke. Like you get a you get a Deadpool or a Superman just because someone found it at a yard sale. But a Deathstroke, goddamn. Yeah. Well, continue, man. Tell me about the story. All right, so they're like I said, they're discussing this, and then um, the twins' friend Alphonse comes in, and he's accompanied by uh, his partner Marcel, and they're they're starving artists, you know, basic starving artists, and like the the mom just totally just calls him out that they're going, they're here, they're here to crash the party, they're here to steal, blah blah blah, and they are, but like they're they're trying to they're suave about it, and like the mom just excuses herself after they talk about. Because there's been these grisly murders by the uh, the Ripper of Paris. Beautiful. He just goes around just slashing people, you know, pretty crazy. And they're just kind of talking about it. And she kind of uses that as an excuse to, uh, to you know, walk away. And then the, the twins have, you no, know, the twins kind of mentioned, since we're talking about art, that they've been, uh, they've been seen by the Englishman, who is a big time, uh, he's a big time artist that does like the best paintings. But he's a complete nutter recluse. He's like bought a hotel, just living in the penthouse. Right. He, he, you know, he doesn't, you know, he he'll get a hold of you if he wants to draw you. So, or if he wants to paint you. So he's a watcher. Yeah. But um, Alphonse gets caught stealing something, and they're they they have to run, and they narrowly escape from you know from everybody coming after him. So as they're running away. You know, Marcel, you know, they were kind of talking, they were like, you know, Marcel calls him out and he's like, you know, why did you steal that? We didn't need that. We, the only reason we steal is to pay for our art. And he's like, you just don't understand. You're not, you know, you're not free. You've got to, you know, art isn't to be watched. It's to be experienced. And then he just kisses, because he just kisses Marcel right then and there. You know, he's like this, you know, haha. He's just kind of sh- trying to show him up a little bit and like, hey. And Marcel, like Marcel just pushes him away and is just like, you know, you're so cruel. I don't know why you do the things you do. And like they just they end up separating and like Alphonse just walks away drinking. Um, so we come down to their studio later on and Marcel's drawing. And then there's a knock at the door and it's one of the twins. It's a Luis, uh, Louis Dupree. And they're just kind of talking over art. And it goes to another um, there's another gentleman in his own studio and he pulls up a picture of, of Lewis and he just rips it in half. But the thing is when he rips the picture in half, 
uh, there's blood in, in, you know, where the picture separates. Wonderful. And then we turn the page, and we turn the page, and we just see Lewis just ripped in two, <sighs> just totally destroyed, right, right in front of Alphonse. Now, was it a uh, was it an actual photo he tore, or was it a? Uh, or it was, was a it, well, it was a painting. It was a it was a painting. Because of course that comes into play later in our book. So you know, yeah, Alphonse doesn't know what to do. Or she, it's Marcel. Pardon me, Marcel doesn't know what to do because he can't call the cops because there's a dead man in his studio, and of course he's the only witness. So he runs and he he finally finds uh, he finds Alphonse. And Alphonse is like, this is, you know, that's insane. You know, how, you know, how could this guy just die right in front of you? And he's like, I don't know, but he did. And he's like, you know, well, I've been, you know, since we had our fight, I've been, you know, kind of casing the Englishman's apartment or his, his hotel because he's got to have some good stuff in there. So, like, if we steal a couple of paintings, you know, we're set for a while as far as funding our studio. Right. So like, they both go to look into it. And as soon as they sneak into his studio, oh, you know, freaking the uh, the Englishman's behind him, and he actually hits Marcel on the back of the head with his cane and bloodies him. And he's, he, you know, and we we look around and we see that only one of the pictures of the twins is in one is still on the wall, or one of the paintings of the twins is still on the wall. You know, the one of Lewis is gone. And we figure out that he, of course, is the Ripper. That's that's interesting. Um, okay, so uh, Jack, obviously a, a, a nod to Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little bit of Jack the Ripper lore that actually stands out to me is the fact that the little only thing I could say would actually be a credible piece of who the Ripper was is uh, it was a famous artist, actually. And mm-hmm. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the... The what are cardi- the people that study like uh, signatures? You know when they 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 oh uh, cartographers? No, that's they make maps. Um, uh, well, anyway, you, you get the idea. Uh, yeah, this particular artist uh, traveled quite frequently and wasn't the best artist, but was like one of those really flamboyant type ones that made a big deal and was reclusive. And okay. his signature, his his um. His handwriting perfectly matches uh, the Jack the Ripper signatures to the letters to the, to the to the newspaper, like oh. like like down to the bit. I think it was in Brazil that he signed mm-hmm. he signed something that they found it, and then that's the only thing that did. He was in certain cities when the Ripper was going, and a lot of people don't understand what the Ripper was. I mean, like like they didn't use the Ripper like it was like a, a hype word, like when you're reading the news right now and like Trump slams the media like yeah uh, no he didn't he just you you're just stupid and don't know how to use the right words or you're just trying to use hype words um uh, decries what the media said about him would have been much mm-hmm. more accurate um the ripper like he would literally rip prostitutes in half yeah like from from groin to throat and it well so we we've, we've got that so we're we're taking that with the idea of the complexities of discussing of what art actually is. So we've got mm-hmm. that going on, especially within something that is um, very, very R-rated. And um, I, I guess the word I like the most is when, when Pulp Fiction came out and they, 
they described it as lurid. The, yeah. They described it as lurid, and then other people described it as ultra violence when there was very little violence in that movie at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But we've got we we're, we're pairing fine art with that. How was the art in general in this? I mean, was it like kind of choppy? The art, it, no, it's really it's it's really quite good. It's um, it's very reminiscent of actually uh, victims that we both recently read. Wonderful. Like it's very it, it's a lot of you know, a lot of reds, a lot of blacks. It's definitely kind of. It really it, it it fits the what with the writing style because it seems to be this is actually apparently it's called Night uh, Nightfall Presents so it seems like it's going to be an ongoing series I don't know if it's going to be like you know Nightfall is going to be like a, a several different series of, of horror comics like the Joe Hill like, ones yeah but it definitely seems like that's where it's going because the whole thing ends up being like he goes after Alphonse and then Alphonse ends up taking the the blade from him because he's got a razor and he's putting it to the his throat because he's like you know we can't tell anybody that you're the the ripper because you're you know no one's going to believe this whatever this is this this there's no way anyone's going to believe that when you rip these you know rip these paintings and people die so like you know the and then the ripper comes back and he's like you know if you if you want to you know you say you guys are an artist or artist well, I need an apprentice. You know, if you let me go, you let me live, Ooh. I'll teach you this. And you guys just will improve your art, and you will finally understand what it's like to be a true artist. You know, because I need somebody else, you know, and then your friend can go. That's so heavy, Alphonse, man. Yeah, so Alphonse makes a sacrifice so that Marcel can leave. And Martin, he's like, you know, and Marcel's too, you know, Marcel's beat up. He's, you know, he's bleeding from his head. So like he, he just wants to get medical attention. He's not looking to turn anybody in. But like, you know, the Ripper tells him, you know, as Alphonse's first job as his freaking as his as his understudy basically, is to take some of these pictures and to burn them in the fireplace. Oh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so like you see, and you see people that have already died in some of these pictures. Like it goes to pictures from like a hospital and from a morgue. And you know, as the, as the pictures are burning, as the portraits are burning, so are these guys' dead bodies. That's witchcraft. Yeah, and then at the end of it, you see um, you see Leon, the other Dupree brother. Him and his mom are mourning the passing of his brother because they you know, the cops have already alerted them that you know that Lewis was dead. And then you can just see smoke start coming off of Leon's jacket. Oh. And the very last image is him turning to ash right in front of his mother. That's straight up witchcraft. Yeah. That's straight up witchcraft. Uh, even if, like, on a base level, the first thing that popped in my head other than just things I've read was, did you ever see Hereditary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember when she uh, she couldn't set the journal on fire and she asked the husband uh -huh. to do it? Uh-huh. And, and, okay. Like, that, that it, it's, wow. This is the sort of thing that, like, I'm so glad you had the the guts to pick up such a a, a different title and and branch out on that man. That, that, like, I, I feel like a uh, every time I experience anything like that, it feels like it adds to like a brick into me being a, a more solid person, uh, in, in, as a lover of art and, but also I'm a big fan of witchcraft. <laughs> and, yeah. and, well, it's like, it's, it's like you don't see a lot of horror, like straight up horror comic books anymore. 
it's hard. like it's it's a it's a genre in and of itself because like you talked about like the, f- the comics from the 50s and whatnot like a lot of those were like you know you had your detective comics you had your freaking you know horror comics you had your um your romance comics and such you know you don't see a lot of any of those anymore and like just kind of like i said picking this one up on a whim i'm like i definitely i definitely want to read more i definitely want to see where the story's going it's funny how they can have such a, a... A cultural uh, resounding, uh, specifically like okay, so like the EC comics you're referring to, uh, and all the other like creepy and eerie and you know tales from the crypt. Um, even Mad Magazine was EC. Um, mm-hmm. What the reason that they had a big cultural impact was the fact that people were finally getting like really introspective horror comics, and when they didn't know that this like like. Can you imagine not knowing what horror is and then finding a comic and realizing that this is something that really, like, speaks to you? Yeah, you resonates, yeah. You, you can't explain it. Like, you know, you're not supposed to like that sort of stuff. Like, in the 50s, like, you're not going to... The, the most you would see is, like, Frankenstein strangling some people in the countryside or drowning that little kid. I mean, even then, that was mm-hmm. enough. But then yeah. when these guys are into sci-fi and branching out in, you know, in the, the 50s and 60s to more psychedelic things... Um, uh, do you, do you know why Detective Comics thirteen Action Comics number one are so so uh, expensive? Just for their first like for Action Comics number one first appearance of it, Superman. It's, so, it, it's not it's not just that. Uh, okay. Uh, during uh, during the sixties, uh, a specific I can't remember the, the senator's name. I wish I had like a Joe Rogan. Oh, guy. the one that freaking had the uh, that set up the comics code basically. Yes. Yes, uh, he basically was like, all juvenile delinquents we find all have these comics on them, or just comics mm-hmm. in general. And, and they got, burned them, didn't they? They burned them. <laughs> they burned them, and that's why they're, they're hard to find. And, you know, th- there wasn't like millions of them, but there was enough that people got so into it that they, you know, they, and then, of course, uh, you, you have to have a scape, sta- scapegoat, which was William M. Gaines, the uh, founder of EC Comics and Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. and, uh, he was the guy on the, you know, the, the Senate committee on the floor, block. Uh, totally on the chopping block. And yeah. we get that sort of thing. And then I think about Karen Berger, who had a softer approach in the mid, uh, late 80s, really hammering at home, early 90s, when she was given, she was a, uh, started, you know, basically, you know, getting coffee over at DC Comics and worked her way to being editor and her recommendations and what she was working on was so good that you couldn't deny them. Like, like if you're a DJ and you recommend Aphex Twin to somebody, like you're not giving them something that's easily palpable. And she was giving them the good stuff, the literature, and she was the one that found and founded Vertigo Comics. Uh, can you hear me, brother? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to look up that guy's name, actually. The senator? Uh, I'm trying to look up the senator's name. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, well, well, while you're looking it up, Karen, she she brought things over that were, like, she had been burned at the cross for, uh, in the, you know, any time beforehand uh, for this mm-hmm. sort of witchcraft, but it was all literature, it was knowledge. She brought over Neil Gaiman, she brought over Grant Morrison, she brought over Alan Moore. Uh, the best of the best, uh, and these guys are yeah. still studied, And but the thing was, it was too smart for people. But the right people got a hold of it. But all these guys were into horror and the occult. And there was all these like vestiges of it that most random people never would have picked up on. 
even if they enjoyed it just on a base level, like, that was a good comic. You know, I took a chance on that. It wasn't my favorite thing, but it, it was pretty goddamn scary. But then, yep. but then it's like the backbone of everything goth uh, since uh, since the cure. And I, that's I'm, man, I can't wait to pick that up. Yeah, no, dude, I definitely, I give it five out of five chilling bones. Dude, awesome. Uh man, I wish, man, goddamn, you, you got my head fucking ringing on that one, man. Yeah, it was solid, dude. Like I said, for just picking just picking it up, like three ninety nine was not, you know, definitely worth the money. Uh, it's one of those things, man. Like I said, the arts, the arts, are really freaking good too. It just kind of, it just comes off like a really enjoyable read, basically. Plus, like I said, it's a whole bunch of you know, whole, all new characters you don't necessarily know, so you're not, you know, guaranteed this is going to go well. Especially when the characters aren't everything that you can relate to. I mean, like, not everyone can relate to a gay couple that are stealing art. Yeah. Or take the chance of of picking up a comic knowing that there is a gay couple in there. And, like, who are you relating to? The mom that's kind of, like, not approving? The psychopath uh, artist? There's not a lot to relate to. You're, you're kind of like a fly on the wall. Um, yeah. I was watching something the other day. Uh, actually, it was uh, yesterday. I was watching Martin Scorsese talk about Hereditary, actually. And okay. he, he was talking about the, the theory of horror. And he was talking about, like, the real true blood and guts and meat and potatoes of Hereditary was the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And he specifically references the dinner the dinner scene where the mom freaks out. And, like, you know, you got something on your mind. And they, they all, you know, get it out. Uh, he he loved that more than more than anything, but he loved being terrified. He but his, his theory was that a good horror movie is something or or a story is if you remove the horror, is it still good? That's an interesting take on it. I just kind of figured it was like as long as you had characters you could relate to, whether you liked them or you hated them, you know, you kind of felt for them when bad stuff happened, regardless of whether it was positive or negative. But you know, that's a good point, though. The, the, can you get a movie? Can you take all the horror aspects out, and is it still a solid movie? Like I, I never would have. I've never thought of it that way, but it makes sense. I wonder if we can apply that to wrestling as like a like put that on our Ten Commandments of how we how we book storylines. Is like if we remove the wrestling, is it still fucking badass? I, I yeah, I think you could totally do that because it's it's kind of like my whole football analogy. Like for those who don't know, I'm not a huge football fan. But I love football movies. I would say Replacements is probably one of my top five movies of all time. Love that movie. Watch it three or but four like, times a year. Yeah. But like my freaking, my wife pointed out, she's like, it's not the, it's not the football that you care about. It's the, it's the people, you know, behind, you know, behind the game. Developing you know, if the you team. Can, if you can make people, if you can make relatable characters, people care about what happens to them. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple, but yet it's so hard to pull off on a routine basis, which is why like, you know, see like our favorite TV shows only last, you know, four to eight seasons, you know, after that, you know, you, you run out, you run out of stories basically. But if you write it good enough and well enough in one good shot, hit, hit your mark on target, you can just rewatch it over and over and be happy with what you have. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, man, I can't tell you how many times I, uh, I referenced Shane footsteps Falco, or I remember I was thinking about, John Favreau the other day when I was finishing watching the the finale of um, the Mandalorian that I never mm-hmm. would have pictured that uh, the the big dummy uh, cop that you know was such a dickhead uh, to Wilkinson mm-hmm. 
And but then it but 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 the end of the show, like, hey, who are we gonna give the ball to the movie? The, who are we gonna give the ball to? Give it to Wilkinson, and he takes his helmet off. Going back to jail. He's going back to jail, yeah. and, and and he's like, hey, I'll clear the way. Yeah, I like, got your back, man. That's brotherhood, and then like, I mean, they were really going like uh, every little bit about it. Who wants the ball? Yeah, you yeah. want the ball. Or 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 Jumbo when when uh when, when he, yeah did he start running the wrong way if I remember correctly <laughs> no no uh, <laughs> no uh, no he does because freaking Falco's got a freaking second oh yes <laughs> you know yeah you had a second <laughs> uh, he's when he's like man when Madden's like man I love when a fat guy scores why is that John because when you see yeah, a fat, fat guy, guy score, touchdown dance <laughs> you see a fat guy dance <laughs> and like like there's no, there wasn't a football player. Or lover, or kind of lover that was like, hell yeah, I love to see a fat guy dance. Exactly. And uh, God, I could go on and on about that, man. We should yeah. do that. We should do a replacement something, man, because that movie, every little bit of every person connected in that, where where um, the 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 leg, like he's 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 about to. He's just a fuck. He's he's yeah. He's just a fuck. He's about to ruin the game, and Falco, who. The, the whole point of it was that every time the team leans on him, he crumbles. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he didn't want him to lose his pub and still pulled that playoff. And Gene Hackman's like, you know, later on, I want to know what the hell that was all about. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, what it's going to be, I want the ball. Winners always do. Yeah. <laughs> man, I, man, you got me in a crazy-ass jazz on that one. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, no, you're good, dude. Freaking, like I said, it's one of my top five. I'll bullshit about that one all day. Well, I'm hoping that the New Mutants is coming together after, because I have honestly not read anything after uh, X of Swords, man. Like, I got really exhausted of X after that, because I was... Yeah, no, it, it was it was a lot. It was like 22 issues. It was great. It's not that I, I got exhausted. Like, it was one of those things where, like, I kind of just want to, like, just still seep it in, because now we have to... Uh, do I have to wait like three, four years for the good ass story like that? But it was only a year and a half after uh, House of X and Powers of X, so yeah. hopefully Hickman goes on a roll. Like, who? Like, what's the what's the plot on this one? Um, it just kind of it, it seems like there's it's recovery. It kind of feels like really because it starts out with just like this this kid in Egypt hundreds of years ago, and when just just a happy kid, you know, his dad runs a shop in the in you know in the bazaar as it were. And he's just a good kid. And then, you know, bad stuff happens. And, like, his dad ends up dying, and his freaking, they lose their part of the marketplace, their spot. And then he ends up, uh, this this predatory spirit comes in, and we find out that's the origin of the Shadow King. Ooh, Shadow King's back. All right, I can do that. I can get Jiggy yeah. back. So like, we're just, you know... Nobody, you know, then we come back to modern day, blah, 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 freaking, we've got uh, Danny Moonstar and Karma just kind of talking at a table, and it turns out that, like, Karma's been having this one dream coming, this recurring dream from a battle recently, and she recognizes one of the people, but she just can't place who he is. All right. And, like, they're, they're trying to figure it out when they're interrupted by freaking... Uh, magic colossus's sister and warlock and matt you know, magic's just being herself just kind of taking up you know chewing up all the scenery and just kind of making a thing of absolutely nothing and then there's a knock at the door and it's you know james proudstar warpath and he's saying hey everybody's ready 
and because I'm not I'm not a huge New Mutants guy, but because I didn't realize it. But apparently the new mutants are actually teaching the next generation of mutants. Yeah, they've been building up with that. They're like they're they're like teenagers, they're preteens running around, fucking around, and they've been slowly wrangling them in like mm-hmm. random scenes uh in, in the past two years, but now yeah, now it's happening. Yeah. But yeah, so it's got a bunch of you know, a couple of these like I said, these preteen mutants just starting out with their powers and like you know they're having them train against you. They're having them train in groups of four, and trying to have them them on their own figure out ways to mix their powers, which is really kind of interesting. That makes perfect sense, especially what's going on with the the six or the five that are uh, resurrecting everyone. Like the fact that because all of them are like useless. I mean, like gold balls don't give a shit about, and now he's like in an integral part about their society about resurrecting anyone. Yeah. And that ends up playing into this too, because you know, it's like I said, they're they're kind of learning, so they're totally screwing up, but they're getting there. And then you see, then you know, the new mutants are like, "Hey, let us show you what we're talking about here." And then you see them just like merging their powers, where like you know, Magic's able to you know teleport in and out and around using her portals. And then like freaking Wolfsbane gets hit, and instead of her hitting the ground, she gets she goes through a portal to where she can land safely. And we see, but you know, they're they're trying to figure out what to do at Warpath and um, Warlock, and Warlock just engulfs Warpath and makes uh, becomes basically battle armor for him. That's wonderful. Which is super cool, and it's kind of where that aspect of it ends. Friend Warpath. Yeah, friend Warpath. I don't know where I think apparently Doug's out with his missus, his new wife, as it were. I couldn't blame him, man. Like, that woman, I had to, I told you, I had to flip the page back a few times just to look at how fucking stunning that woman was in the, in the pages, man. And yeah. In, in the, the battle, like the, I, you know, like, they, Exosaurs mixed up a lot of, like, uh, seriousness with a lot of great comic relief to balance things out. And, uh, the, the, the here's the deal here. Here's the real battle. Are you gonna get married? <laughs> uh... No, sure. <laughs> like, like maybe. Man, and then he sees her face, and then like, man, like, uh, talk about love at first sight. And then even for her too, fall in love with like the, the the one person people would, if anyone on paper would think was like the most useless fucking uh, mutant in in the business. I'm just happy mm-hmm. that you're telling me that we're building some story. Like, one of the best parts about the new mutants was that they weren't, they were canon. But mm-hmm. they also like had their own shit going on, and yeah. and if you just wanted to pay attention to them, you could, and you could, okay. you could you could have a blast with all that. You could jump into whatever huge X series was happening because it might integrate one of them, uh, one of those issues as part of it, and you know just have you know enjoy the the big kids for a while. But you're you're enjoying more developed stories and getting to learn people. I love that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, these are some interesting take here because they're just talking about, um, they're just talking about what they went over in class today. <clears throat> and Scout actually is just like, you know, hey, uh, does using this synergy kind of make things more dangerous? And like, they just kind of try to put her at ease being like, you know, that's that's an old way of thinking because, you know, no matter what, we can get resurrected now. Ooh, there's your danger. That's when the sensei's ears perks up. Yeah, exactly. Because then she she just retorts with, you know, 
what happens if somebody, you know, if anybody else, if we die, they're like, yeah, don't worry, you'll, you'll be resurrected, it's fine. But then they start talking about other mutants that have not been resurrected. You know, because apparently they can pick and choose who they want to be resurrected. They can. They talk about they talk about Evan and they talk about Madeline Pryor, and they're just like, and they're just you know, magic tries to assuage, you know, calm her down, and she's like, you know, Evan, we're still not sure about Evan, but you know, Madeline was harmful to both mutants and humans, <laughs> so like that breaks that breaks you know some of the few laws we have, and it's like it's it's kind of a, it's a dick move because it's like. Who are you to say who can continue to live and who can die? It's shining a light on their hypocrisy because it is blaringly bad right now. Like in mm-hmm. uh, the King and Black, man, like they're begging Xavier and Magneto for help. Like, hey, too many of our guys have died. We're not we're not fucking with you people. And like, hey, they're going to kill you too. And like, nah, we're good. Um, and then uh, also like the way they punish people um, when, the, when they set up their basic like Ten Commandments, like, you know, mm-hmm. kill no human. And, well, we got to make an example out of someone. Uh, Sabretooth just killed this guy. And he's like, hey, man, fuck you. I was on a mission for you assholes. And that guy was in the way. You, you like, you can't do that to me. Like, like, yeah. like it, you, you, you shot a bazooka at something. You know what I do. And they're like, yeah, well, here, here's the deal. We got to make an example out of you. So we're going to banish you to the depths of uh, infinite abyss within Krakoa for all time. <laughs> And and then the Madeline Pryor thing, man. Madeline Pryor came back uh, a, yeah. couple, a couple months ago, and yeah, yeah she, she was in X Force, yeah, yeah, in the pages of X Force, and she no, had, it was an X, it was an X Force, it was Hellions, Hellions, yep, Hellions with because uh, uh, Havoc's in that one, yep. And yeah, there's a lot of fucking shithead hypocrisy. Who who lives, who dies, who gets to get brought back? I mean, like, okay, so we, we've got uh, why haven't you brought? Uh, um, uh, you've got Warpath, why not Thunderbird? His big brother. Yeah. We haven't we haven't talked about that. We haven't talked about Morph. We haven't talked about Black uh, Dark Beast. Um, mm-hmm. we, we could definitely do that. Uh, we can. There's a multitude. The entire the entire roster from a Gen or not. What was it? It was not genocide. You're talking about, yeah. You're talking about Genosha. Yeah. All those, you know, anybody mutant massacre. We go back as far as mutant massacre if you want. Uh, the chick from fucking Deadpool, teenage. Uh... Teenage uh, Warhead. Teenage, yeah. Teenage Negasonic... <laughs> yeah, Teenage Negasonic Warhead. Yeah, like, it's one of those things that just, like, okay. Rolls um, right off the tongue. Completely. Yeah. But yeah, no, because after class, freaking about four of the mutants, Anoli, Cosmar, Rainboy, and No Girl travel into the mountains. And they actually, they find the Shadow King. And the Shadow King's just like, I've been waiting for you guys. And he's just like, tell me about your day. So he's totally trying He's totally trying to work these kids. We're just not quite sure. You know it's somewhere bad, but you're not quite sure what happens yet. Man, I'm just so hung up on the hypocrisy, man. You let Omega Red in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you let Mr. Sinister. You let Mr. Sinister. You like, know he's going to fuck you eventually. That's his gimmick. That's yep. his, it's just like wrestling. Hell, apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Like any any time, like like remember when uh, they paired Chris Jericho, you know, Y2J Mahero with Kevin Owens, someone mm-hmm. was gonna get betrayed, but then they were a little bit smarter on this one and had KO betray him, which I fucking shit my pants when that happened. It, it's always Jericho though. Remember when him and him and Trish Stratus when the Every whole time. thing was they were they were trying he was trying to nail her. Him and Christian had the bet for one Canadian dollar, <laughs> <laughs> and well, freaking. 
at the end of it, Trish, Trish ended up turning on Jericho to be with Christian. Or Y2AJ. Oh, Y2AJ, yeah. That was a good was two a, weeks. That was the one time. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I want my money back on that shirt. I got that shirt too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got a James Ellsworth shirt. I'm going to save for... Uh, oh, oh, oh. That, that one hurts. I, I, I still... I, I can't bring myself to throw it away. But I never actually wore it in public. <laughs> Is it the derpy one with him in the circle? Yes. Yeah. The 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 worst. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. You. I mean, homeboy had a good run for what he what they did with him. A lot better than a lot better than a lot of you know, freaking would have happened in other places. That's for sure. Speaking of scumbags, talk about the scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> the artwork. <laughs> in- the artwork in this comic is just fucking phenomenal. It, like, this is one of those things where I mentioned earlier, like, if you're not going digital right now, uh, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, no, freaking. This one was, this one was interesting, because freaking, like I said, this is another one I just picked up on a whim. I got, I didn't get the first issue, but I got issues two and three. So I was just kind of trying to get a grasp of what the hell the character was going to be. Because the, the, the tagline for it is the world's fate rest with the worst person in it. Right. So, I mean, the, you, you meet this guy. His name is Ernie Ray Clemente. <laughs> and he is just basically every freaking lame, just ridiculous stereotype you could find. How many serial freaking... killers have a middle name Ray and they got to say the yeah. whole goddamn thing? Every time. <laughs> But yeah, dude, I mean, this guy is freaking, you know, he's drugged out of his mind. He's kind of sexist. He's definitely a redneck. The whole reason he gets into the Scorpionist freaking um, meeting to start to end issue two and start issue three is because he's got freaking on his freaking little biker vest. He's got a Scorpion's freaking patch. Okay. And he's like, oh, hey, brother, you know, you're one of us. Cool. Because all these idiots like apparently like the scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he just he just walks on and he still doesn't have a clue what the hell's going on, but apparently this apparently the whole story starts out where Ernie Ray, freaking, stole some drugs because that's what he does. Of course. And apparently these particular drugs gave him superpowers. <laughs> Dude, this guy's a fucking redneck Lobo in space without without a cool enough without bike. all the, without everything cool without everything like, he's, cool. He's, <laughs> But with all the attitude. I, I like yeah, that so, he's always having to smoke. Like smoking is like like <laughs> having a smoke in his mouth. Like, and yeah, and they they find this guy freaking the uh, this, is it it's Central Intelligence, I believe. Let's see if I get this. I had written down here somewhere. It's a Central Authority. The people who are actually behind this the the drug in question find him, and they're like, we have to use this guy. But like we can't tell him what the hell's actually going on, because Lord knows what he'll do. So they try to they they buy his services, but they don't give him money. They give him a seventy eight Trans Am that can fly. <laughs> this is perfect. A freaking a sex robot who also doubles as the driver of the car. So heavy metal. Yeah, and a ridiculously large um, a suitcase. Full of every type of drug he can have. Yeah, everything's good. So, so this guy is on board. <laughs> yeah. 
So this issue starts out with, like I said, he's in the middle of this meeting on top of this pen, on top of this freaking skyscraper, and there's this gold, there's this bomb with just gold inside of it, and the entire thing is that the um they're called freaking the Scorpionists, who are the bad guys, and their their entire concept is that they want a freaking they want the world in their own image, you know, basically 1950s, you know, man this man you know man makes a living, a woman stays at home. Listens to the man, blah blah blah, all that, all that basic stuff. Right. And they they have gotten a hold of all the oil, uh, uh, quite a bit of the oil in the world, and their goal is to basically set this bomb off, have this bomb turn everything in its proximity, including humans, into gold. Wonderful. And if there's so much gold, gold will not be rare enough to be worth anything. So to go to the next source of money, which will be oil. Of course. So freaking, you know, like I said, they're in the middle of this meeting and they're talking about all this stuff. They're basically saying what they're going to do. And then freaking Ernie Ray is just staring at the bomb and they're in the, the guy in charge whose name is Prosoma is freaking just like, who are you? What are you doing here? And Ernie tries to talk his way out of this, but of course he bombs miserably. And they're going to end up killing him, and they turn. he actually turns him over to his henchman, the ultra-nationalist. And as he's about to kill Ernie Ray, um, his savior, Sister, uh, Sister Mary, who's basically the badass female secret agent, hands in the cooking. Um, yeah, oh, no, she she comes in to freaking save his ass because he's an idiot, and she needs him to stay alive to help him because uh, she actually her father was actually killed by Prosoma, but she needs Ernie Ray to freaking help you know fix everything because he he's basically going on a multitude of missions to stop Scorpionis from achieving their goal. So she's over here kicking the shit out of this guy. Well, Ernie just grabs the bomb and takes off running. Because in his mind, it's a crap ton of gold. Mine's so she's just as good as drugs. Just as good. Yeah, you can buy a lot of drugs with a lot of gold. So they end up. Like, he end, she ends up beating the ultra ultra nationalist up and then trying to get the bomb back from Ernie because it's about to explode, which would turn everybody, including both of them, into gold. So freaking Ernie ends up dropping the bomb off the side of this building, and they both dive after it. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, and the only thing that we what we find out, because the bomb's getting ready to explode, is the only way Ernie's powers activate is he has to think about helping other people. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why they're screwed. Not going to happen. Yeah. So at the last second, of course, Ernie starts thinking about freaking... All his buddies at the bar, who were all his friends, even though earlier his best friend, freaking Steve, told him he was trying to kill him. But he was just joking, so it was okay. It happens. If you told me you are trying to kill me, I'd, I'd at least appreciate the heads up. <laughs> I'd, I'd love your saucy take on humor. <laughs> <laughs> so what he ends up doing is, because like I said, the bomb's about to explode, and so he throws the bomb... But he throws it into the bar. Not the bar. The bar with all his friends in it. <laughs> because beautiful. in Ernie's in Ernie Ray's mind, 
these people need the money more than I do. Again, not realizing that it will turn everything, including each and every one of his friends, into solid gold. There's no way to reverse that. They are screwed. And it's all Ernie Ray's fault. He's a beautiful redneck, though, man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. I can, I can appreciate these sort of guys, man. <laughs> he tried really, really hard. This is not Earl Hickey we're dealing with. Let me tell you that. Oh, man. It, it sounds like Earl Hickey, like... In like, the early stages, almost? In the early, like, Earl... Earl... Earl in the in first space. four or five episodes. This is Earl in space. <laughs> this it, is Earl with more drugs. It, it even ends with the goddamn Trans Am. Remember, like, the whole episode? Randy just wanted oh, to... Oh, yeah. Randy just wanted to be the bandit. Like, this is so funny, man, because I was thinking this... This, <laughs> uh, this girl I know on Facebook was like, I'll do anything for, like, a... Uh, a bandit Trans Am and I was like you can't be the bandit she's like why not <laughs> you don't have the mustache <laughs> it's true she's that like, is she's Ernie, like, Ernie Ray though Ernie Ray has the mustache no he's got that fucking handlebar shit going on I just wish he had some more mutton chops on that he's got the <laughs> he's got the no shirt denim vest I love it man and the dude the he's Trans like a poor Am man. he's like a, he's like a, he's like a poor man like John Moxley's cousin that never got off the couch <laughs> Man, but you know he's from Ohio for sure. That would have been awesome if they'd have made Brody like back in the day, John Moxley's cousin in CZW, something like that. Like, <laughs> that would have been great. It would have, it would have been way better than the shit with the Wyatts, man. If like they were just these fucking like the 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 Moxley Bros, something like that. You know, they're both yeah. troublemakers. Like <laughs> that could have worked. That could have worked well. Shoot, Brody's got a Trans Am. I mean, like, I mean, look at this fucking Trans Am, man. <laughs> Like, yeah, the Trans Am is gorgeous, dude. Yellow sports American sport cars and Lamborghinis, maybe some Ferraris, are the only ones that look good in yellow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna think I'm gonna use this one as the caption. Yeah, you definitely should, man. A man in his car, it's a beautiful thing. Do you ever watch The Simpsons a lot? Uh yeah, not in like not in like fifteen years. Jeez. When they first showed uh, Pooh at his at his house, Homer and Bart were going around like uh uh, what the hell were they doing? Well, they were going around door to door, and uh, that mm-hmm. who was washing his cherry red fucking Trans Am, man, just it was beautiful. Of course, that who drives a Trans Am <laughs> with the giant Phoenix on the front, man. It's just beautiful. God, but these have it doesn't have wheels. It has these like oh, it's yeah, it's a hover car. It's jet, amazing jet rockets, and he just says fucking a. Well, that's the only thing you can say when you see that sort of thing, man. Uh, you're just lucky to see it. Dude, but yeah, is... and they, they get him freaking easy and young. Like I said, he gets to go into the central authority. He gets to meet Mother Nature, who has been like a, a voice in his head, basically. Like he could see like a digital image of her. And freaking like, and she was like, he was like, you're black. And she's, she just looks right at him since birth. Always have been. And he's like, I guess, I, you know, I should have guessed. And she, she's like, why do you say that? And like you just see him checking out her ass. Hey, like that that zoom in and then the then the giant face into the cocaine. Why the hell not? Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing. That was what I was get you next. Bring they're like, oh hey, we need you to do this other mission, and we need you to go to this mansion and like sneak into this party and find out what's going on. Find out what's going on with freaking Prosoma and freaking the Scorpionis. And he's like, well, before we do that, I need to get ready. And he just freaking pours out freaking some cocaine. 
and just does it right there in front of them because that's just the kind of guy Ernie Ray is because his name's Ernie Ray. And he's basically, you know, they give him his freaking car and his freaking, uh, freaking sex robot. Dude, and they're on their way. This is Space Earl. Yeah. This is like Earl's secret agent. This is Special Agent Earl Hickey. God, I wish they'd have fucking finished that goddamn show, man. That was I know. A... One, more, one more season. Or just like, I, I read a couple months ago that they're all on board to do a movie to finish it. Mm-hmm. They they finished it in uh, Greg Garcia's like quote unquote finished it in Greg Garcia's next show uh, I don't remember the title uh, but, Raising Hope or something like that yeah I think. it was Raising Hope it was on the background uh, the TV was on about a, a local Camden man finishes his list yeah because I think I remember reading it I read at some point like the whole thing was, was Earl was never supposed to finish the list correct but he inspired other people to start their own list which yep. is what. What the read, story eventually was going to be. I read that. I read that same article too. That was a couple of months ago. They got Greg Garcia, and he actually flat out said what was going to happen, what he was going to, no. what he was going to do, and like what a great way, like where he inspired so many people, and he was just kind of on the path with them. And um, that would have been a great way to end it. Like just they they told the I would have I would have loved another season. I, just I, I was well, they, they left on that cliffhanger with the with the babies because it wasn't Crabman's kid after all. Yeah, Earl Junior wasn't Crabman's kid. It was actually Earl Junior. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it was no. It was uh, uh, Dodge, Dodge was Earl. Dodge, Dodge was, was Earl's. Earl's kid, and then freaking Earl Junior was not Crabman's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna do a cover page, man. I think we do a cover page something based on freaking My Name Is Earl. Dude, let's do it. I'm down. Earl cover page. Because there was only there was only a handful of other like ethnic dudes or even black guys. There was uh, Nescobar Aloplop, um, mm-hmm. and then there was that black dude that uh, ran the uh, the hot items gimmick from the uh, storage bin. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Of course, um, uh, Earl's Earl's um, dad was had serious jungle fever. Um, yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember any other black dudes in the show. There was not too many. But it's not because they were racist. No. Because we dealt with that in the first 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 one was uh, him and his and Kenny. Him and Kenny. His, uh, his homosexual American friend. His homosexual American friend. <laughs> that was such a great... Dude... I love that line so much. I had uh, freaking we had Dually Trailer use it in freaking an NEW show one time. Because <laughs> I love that line. It's it's a great line. When Joy calls, like, and the fact that he, he used it and he didn't mean it offensively at all. He meant it with love. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't know, like, what, what, I don't know what to call you guys, homosexual Americans. Or when when Joy was making fun of her deaf uh, her deaf uh, attorney, and she's like, I just get a kick out of that deaf accent of yours. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it just yeah. like it, it prospered through the writers' strike. It it did a lot of good things, man. And like, yeah, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. It really doesn't. Man, it's funny. Like every time, like, I've I, never I've never heard anybody not like that show who's seen who's seen like a couple episodes. I agree. Never heard of anybody not liking it. I've also never met anyone that only watched a couple. I've mm-hmm. I've only met like maybe like four people in my life that like the show but they'd seen them all mm-hmm. surprisingly enough um freaking austin logan 
or Logan Austin loves freaking My Name Is Earl. Dude, we gotta hammer him with that shit, man. Oh yeah, he 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 can go toe to toe with you, man. He freaking he knows every episode. It's ridiculous. I don't remember how we got on the subject one time. We got on the subject, and he'd be like, boom, 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 boom. Ridiculous. Patty the daytime hooker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my mom is a big Tim- Timothy Oliphant fan, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I I went and talked to her like after that Mandalorian episode, and I was like, you, like, because we were talking about Timothy Oliphant, because I made her watch the episode that he was in, where he was the the asshole that Earl lost his uh, Mustang to. He thought, oh, he thought okay. Was, That's he who thought we're talking it was about. His gotcha. Dad and uh, Timothy Oliphant just played that like butter, man. Like he like the same scene. They go to the the their their lawn and it, they're in the same clothes, except he's like got the most perfect bad skullet like wig on, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You have any idea how many girls I've had sex with?" Three or something <laughs> like that. It was like four. It was like four. <laughs> it was like it was like one more than what he had the first yeah, time yeah, he made more, the exact one, same joke. One more from twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do, growed up Earl? <laughs> like you just played it so well, man, and like and and just to bring it back to because you know, obviously we do what we do. You play your character that well, no matter how fucking ludicrous, you'll get it over. Yeah. Unless you're fake Diesel or fake <laughs> Razor Ramon. Hey, in all fairness, they never had a prayer. No, they didn't. Like, like those get like there are certain times when you just know like you can try as hard as you want to get something over it's just not gonna happen like that was there there have been some bad ideas and then there's fake razor and fake diesel the the one bad idea that was really bad but ended up being good was the taskmaster but only because that did you see the taskmaster elite action figure no uh, all right, so you know the task. Is, is it like is it like dramatically shorter than every all the other ones? No, no. You know how he like he burst in through the wall and he's wearing that shitty. Oh, you mean the you mean the shock master? The shock master, yeah, shock master. The task master was freaking Kevin Sullivan. Yes, yes, yes. dude. I'm I'm okay. I'm spacing. Uh, he burst through the wall. The action figure is the shock master. Literally, if you're looking at it the way it should be displayed, he's upside mm-hmm. down and backwards, falling through the wall. <laughs> But that's that, and then and then the back has been re- the back card is removed, so you can see what the front of the figure looks like. But that's how they just that's how they presented that action figure, and it is fucking gorgeous. That's brilliant. I, I laughed we'll for like look that up later. I laughed for like ten minutes when I saw that one. <laughs> it was like a, like at, the, at first it was like a San Diego Comic Con like like a limited exclusive. Edition. Yeah, and then now you can get it regular, but like nice. the, the packaging alone. I remember my, my big brother fucking popped like fucking crazy for that one, man. <laughs> it's hilarious, dude. That that old thing, man. Freaking every that's that's one of those things that you just gotta freaking you just gotta suck it up. It, it happened. You're 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 done. You know, freaking you gotta you either run with it or you're doomed. I don't know how I recovered from. That. Then they made it part of his gimmick afterwards, where he would just always fall over stuff, and he was just a screw up comedy character. But I was like, would that start? Would that freaking glitter spray painted? Star Wars freaking mask. How was it ever like, like legitimately? How how are you, how did you look at this and was like, this is gonna be the next big thing, brother? This is good shit. <laughs> was it even Vince? Apparently, people other than Vince McMahon have bad ideas. Who knew? Well, at least he was at least still letting other people fucking chime in. Yeah, uh, uh. that's another story. I mean, I feel guilty. Like, like, le- like, uh, last I got because I want to talk about Stillwater. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into it because the last two uh, combined with everything we've, well, 
with uh, the picture of everything else. Like, there's thinking men's comics out there and women's comics out there, or X, whatever the fuck you want to say. I, God. There's something for everybody. There's something for everyone. I, 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 I get I get upset when I have to be forced to, like, say something. And then, but I, but I, I, if you know me, you, you know me, you don't have to worry about it. That's not, that's not what's coming out of my mouth. Not that I'm saying offensive things, I'm just saying like, like I heard this new term that like, it's not, it's, it's Latinx instead of Latina or Latino, it's Latin, Latinx. And does that mean you're like Hispanic with superpowers? I sure as hell hope so, man, because what I read was it meant that like you, you, you are disavowing any gender, which is fine if you want to disavow any gender, but like all of a sudden you're going to try to change the language. I mean, like Latina means you're a Latin woman, Latino, Latin man. I mean, like, it, like if you know Spanish, you know that like there's male, female versions of everything. It doesn't mean that if you use these phrases that you're a fucking like, you know, uh, I should be canceled, hateful piece of shit. Like, it, it, and then the fact that like it's getting pushed on us, it's a lot. It, it, it is a lot. It's a lot. It's it. I have no problems with anybody, except assholes. And I find the people pushing the shit like that sort of thing as assholes because they they're like, I want you to I want you to listen and believe in everything. But if you don't agree with me, then fuck you. And and but that's not what I thought that you were saying. That which is funny. Which is that's probably pretty much what the other side is thinking as well. Yeah, like I thought you were saying that. You oh, it, it's it's all just trying to freaking make. I don't know. I don't know. Ah, sorry, I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole, man. I always get. Oh, no, you're good, dude. It's 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 an interesting. I mean, it's a topic that could legitimately cause you know some interesting debates, but I just kind of like my stuff. Like as far as like politics and stuff like that goes, I don't feel like I'm informed enough to make an educated debate. You know, I know I know what I believe in, but what I believe in and what makes sense for everybody are two completely different things, and I feel like freaking enough people don't take that into consideration. That's, I want what I want, what I want, and that it's the way it is, and that's not that's not what makes the world work. It doesn't, you know. Freaking, I'm. I'm we're both military brats, but freaking, you know. So I, I kind of, I, I'd like to think I have a better worldly view, like just kind of the way I grew up. But like, you know, freaking, a lot of people, like if you if you lived in one area the majority or all of your life. You don't know what makes like if you're if you live in Colorado your whole life you don't know what makes sense in if you're if you live in New York or if you live in Texas or hell if you live in like Oklahoma you know it, it each, you know each place has its own mentality for how to survive and you know you I you know you do have to be respectful of that yeah you don't like it fucking leave go go you don't like California go to Texas you yeah don't, you don't like Oklahoma I don't like Oklahoma I went to I went to Colorado. Yeah, like, I mean, I, same thing. You know, same thing with like you know Mexico or France or wherever. You know, each place has its own fundamentals in their own fundamentally different culture. And if you can't go there and be like, "This is the way I do things. This is the way we do things where I'm from," that's I, not how it operates. Sorry, I'm not sure if when Stillwater was written because I know that there was a big pause on production of comics right when COVID hit back in March, April, May. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the, the the story of Stillwater is that it's a small town that any one day, uh, about like twenty years ago, um, people realized that they couldn't get hurt. Uh, the 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 protagonist's mom cut her finger, uh, trying to get him ready as, as a baby, uh, so she can go to you know, you know, to work or something like that. She cut her finger and she's about to wash it under the uh, 
the, the, the faucet and it's healed. And then there's this big meeting about, okay, so none of us can die. This guy just got his leg destroyed in a combine. It grew back a couple hours later. Uh, this guy got his head blown off accidentally. Now he's alive now, alive and well. And we have to protect, we, we got to figure something out here. And they're like, what are we going to do? Like, first off, we're going to impose a no one can leave and no one can come into our town law. And we've got people working on it for lawyers to help you, you know, you know, uh, scuttle your family away that wants to come visit you and also for you not to leave. And like, what about me? Um, I, I import stuff. Like, I have to get out of town to take, well, sorry, but you're, you're done. Your business is done. Um, we have to worry about all X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, if the government finds out we're going to be guinea pigs and that was the, like the, the head judge. But at the time, what was running things was the sheriff. And he was just yep. trying to make sure everyone was feeling okay. And the judge takes over, and their methods of punishment were, um, you know, you'd be in prison for, like, a couple of days. And, you know, we, we caught you trying to mail a letter out. And, you know, good thing it didn't get out, because otherwise I would be imposing something much more harsh. And the sheriff was mm -hmm. like, listen, who is the uh, father of the protagonist, is like... Like, he's having some problems. It's been a couple of years. His infant son is now six years old inside of an 18-month-old baby. And he's learning. He's He can read. Like, he's developing. But the mentally, but physically, like, no one's getting older. And him and his wife want to hatch a plan to get the kid out. And uh, they f immediately get stomped out. Um, well, the sheriff, um, he, the word gets out that the judge knew that him and the mayor wanted to get everyone together and, you know, kind of put the kibosh on the judge's powers. And the guys that were under the judge, you know, were like, no. And they, they him and the wife organized a plan to fake that some wolves got, got the kid and smuggled the kid out. It, it, it starts out, issue one, with him getting a mysterious letter because he's this fuck-up writer and he's, you know, just, just a fuck-up. He's not doing, he's not living up to potential. He's getting in fights all the time. He's fighting people at work. And he gets a letter come back to to his hometown. He knows he was adopted, goes and visits, and everyone's freaking out that someone just showed up. And um, he finds out no one can die. They they take his buddy that came to him on the road trip to the outskirts of town and blow his brains out and shows him, like, hey, you die past this line here, you're not coming back. But when the mother, who is just happy to see her son again, um, you know, speaks her mind, is there, we go back to, because issue four, four when I read uh, today, was where the judge was like, hey, Sheriff, you need to think of some more, uh, some more punishments that are going to really, you know, impact people. So when they find out that she had, the son's back and she was responsible for sending him away, they bury her alive for 45 days. Oh, wow. And if anyone knows anything about, uh, or, or has met anyone that's been in solitary confinement or understands the theory of what being, uh, you know, isolated as a human, uh, days turn into weeks and it'll break you. And I'm wondering whether when they wrote this, like, did they write this before COVID or during? Because it sure as hell is like making a lot of goddamn sense, especially when the guy's raising his hand like, hey, you're, you're fucking up my business. And like, yeah, fuck you. We don't care. Um, yeah, there's, there's that political, you know, seepage into our, uh, our consciousness right now. Cause you know, we're, we're not, you and I aren't servers, man. I used to be a server, man. I, I remember feeling so bad for, I felt guilty being essential. 
Mm-hmm. And I hear all these outcries, and I listen to podcasts of like, you know, yeah, they decided to just arbitrarily shut us down because 3% of the transmission was from um, restaurants. But wait a minute, hold on. How did that even happen? Where's your where's your science knowledge coming from? They don't have any of it to back up, and it's a lot of bullshit. And then I, I you know, bleed into the Department of Truth. The Department of Truth is really hard to talk about. It, I had to reread it three times. Okay. And... The, the, it's one of those comics that is going to sit in your box for a while if you don't get on it right away because it's really dense and it's mm-hmm. really challenging. Um, the Pardon of Truth is head by Lee Harvey Oswald. I remember one of the first times you, uh, you were on the show with Colin, uh, we talked about Pardon of Truth briefly. Yeah. So Lee Harvey Oswald is running this place. we got this new guy who is... He is haunted by this uh, phantom that has these X's for eyes. Uh, the, the X's, the, 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 he's got a pentagram in his face. And oh. as a baby, he is being uh, haunted in his dreams that I'll let you wake up when I let you wake up. And this guy is eating a baby in front of him and making him eat it. And um, at first, I'm like, okay, this is okay. I get it. Like you're trying to be extreme, like. You know, you know when someone tries to pull that extreme comic shit off and be as upsetting as possible. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not like that. It's James Tinney in the fourth. I mean, this guy we we know and trust him from Batman. Yeah, we're Batman. Yeah, and we're we're we're, we're trapped in a circle here. We're like, and then and then your your um your senses of what has been done before are immediately going to be alerted. Like, oh, this is just Men in Black, and they even reference it, and they even say like, there's no neuralizer. <laughs> there's no neuralizer here. Uh, there's no neuralizer here. So he's he's entrapped in this because he got pulled into the Department of Truth because he was an FBI agent that went to the right... He was investigating the right thing, and some flat earthers took him to the edge of the earth. And the woman of the red X's, for eyes, you know, was there. And they immediately land after they see the, the edge of the earth. And everyone is executed except him, and, and she's mysteriously gone, and... He's brought in, and Lee Harvey Oswald is interrogating him. And then all of a sudden, he's finding more and more things. He's given full access to everything that they have. And his childhood nightmares are on paper documented. Like, with, oh, wow. with other kids' drawings that are exactly like his. So he's really fucked up about that. And while he is investigating, trying to investigate that, he gets called in like uh, almost a Sandy Hook type thing. Uh, because this is really integrated in politics and in mm-hmm. real life events. This woman is trying to find her son. She is absolutely obsessed with the idea her son is still alive, even though she has the phone message of him calling her from his cell phone, uh, trapped in a closet, about to get executed by like Sandy Hook esque murderer. Oh wow! And her problem is is that she feels something uh, another layer that she's her brain isn't allowing her to access. And she's given uh, some, like, she's given, like, a, a dossier randomly delivered to her with a little black hat logo. And it's got videos of her and her son talking to uh, Agent X or whatever you want to call it. The, the, the mysterious people that aren't the men in black, like, more like the Cabal in uh, the X-Files. The Cabal of Orange. Yeah, yeah Exactly. And, like, she's like, okay, so uh, how's he doing? Oh, he's learning everything. And he recites on camera while she's holding him the exact same thing that he left the message on her cell phone. And Mm. everything that 
she was given was uh, uh, as much information as, as could be taken that wasn't redacted or, or destroyed, that she was part of some sort of government institution that was rearing these children to be part of this massacre. And then they wiped her mind out. And then she is trying to get, get access to it. And so, okay, so we get to that, that sort of point of reference there. Okay, so, like, we've got a lot more here than just... They, they reference Men in Black to make it comedic. Like, yeah, we know yeah. what we're doing. Like, they, went, they even go and get pancakes. The artwork in this is absolutely challenging. It's challenging, like, uh, the way it was reading Charles Adler when he was doing The X-Files and eventually got used to it in The X-Files and, and The Walking Dead and realized he's got a master mastery of, like, light and dark and shadows. Or when you're, um, or Del Keown when he was doing like Hulk and the Max and, um, or uh, I'm trying to think of some of those other people that I wrote. I wrote it down. I've got like so many like, uh, or Temple Smith in Fell. Okay. Or Temple Smith and Fell. Like you, you like it, it wasn't that appealing to the eye at first, was it? But by the end of mm -hmm. it, like you were just completely like, I love this. Yeah, with the the way the story mixes with the artwork it just flows so perfect like you can't pull that off with any comic book but like the ones where you with the right story it's magnificent exactly you, you it's it's wine and cheese like whatever metaphor you want to put it like mm -hmm. it, 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 if you peanut look, butter and nutella <laughs> don't do that to me dude because i'm gonna get diabetes um, um well on my way well on my way <laughs> So, uh, issue four, um, we're talking like this is a meta thing. So, issue four is a new agent who got brought in. He knows that he's involved somehow because like he's having memories of something they're investigating. Lee Harvey Oswald is like, hey, dude, I didn't hire you to bring coffee, and next time bring it with more coffee in the cup than spill it on your fucking self because you look like a fucking mess. Second off, uh, I heard you cried like a little bitch the other day over something that you were some memories you had. You've got to fucking think way out the box here. And he's like, H how? And, and, and while this is happening, like they're, they're looking at like a, a, a couple of investigative journalists that are talking to each other, uh, assuming they're being watched and be like, listen, this got dropped off and it looks real. And like, we need to leave this alone. And like, no, I think we need to go for this. And like, well, we're supposed to meet with this guy in a little bit. And, like, listen, we, we really, like, like we can't let this lid off. And the, the problem is, is, is good guy versus bad guy. And let me pull up uh, some notes I have here. In their, in their conversation, information can be so fucking dangerous. It can destroy lives and destabilize governments. And more often than not, we wield it like children. Rather than treat it like it is, a weapon. And then we go to Lee Harvey Oswald where he's talking about look, talking about the bigger picture to our new agent. And he says, but occasionally a narrative hits a nerve, and it spreads usually because the general populace is uncomfortable at something. Let's say, for instance, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, let's say they're uncomfortable with the idea of a black president. And then this next splash page is just all these dossiers that have been dropped off by the Little Black Hat organization, which is involved with the with the people that were the flat earthers. So what we're mm -hmm. talking about here is the people that are trying to, um, they're trying to keep peace at any means necessary, but they're also, they're also not the Epstein's. They're not the Clinton's. Uh, they, they, they reference this on so many different levels here. Like on this day, uh, this person was instructed to erase, uh, this person's birth certificate that he was born in Hawaii. 
And on this day, Epst, uh, uh, the seventh uh, debriefing with CIA asset Jeffrey Epstein in Saudi Arabia regarding him returning to Washington to throw a party for the vice president and other prominent politicians in 1983. Uh, the tenth is a detailed proposal for an attack on the World Trade Center and Pentagon framing Islamic fundamentalists. The proposal is dated 1999. It, it's, it's a meta thing for, for conspiracy theories. So regardless if these conspiracies are actually happening... The Department of Truth is covering it up to keep the populace happy because at the same time we have these uh, chaos workers. Like, who okay. are the good guys, the bad guys? The the little, the little people that are giving everyone these dossiers, the little black hat, are they really the good guys or bad guys? But what the thing is, though, is that what everyone is trying to keep under lids, though, is if an idea, and this is what every, he was talking about, was an idea and information. If an idea gets big enough, and as and as if enough people believe in it, it can be real. That's the meta I'm talking about. Where and it can be dangerous. It can be extremely dangerous. Where enough people believed, they they got enough people that were flat earthers in one area that believed in it so fucking much that they took them to the edge of the earth and showed it to them, even though it wasn't really real. But was it really real? But they believed it enough that it actually looked like it was real. Might have actually happened or. Department of Truth is basically our. I'm thinking that their minds, like it's it's an it's an idea that human minds are so powerful that we need to be wrangled. And back to the idea about the COVID thing about like yeah, fuck your your uh, your business. We've got bigger things to handle here, and we don't <clears> care. Who's good guys or bad guys? These guys that are agents for chaos that want people to be able to use their minds that big? Or the or the people that understand that there are these pieces of shit out there like Epstein and, and, and even Weinstein and, and the Clintons and, and, and what happened to Kennedy and that there's these people that are doing that at the same time and what we're doing is trying to like, uh, they're trying to delegate. Yeah. I mean, it kind of it, it it's an interesting con. It's an amazingly interesting concept because, like, you know, it's like, do people, you know, do people need to be controlled? And then again, do people want to be controlled? You know, people Correct. people like living in their little bubbles. You know, yes, yes, sir. People, yes, sir. you know, that's why we have routine. You know, I'll get up, I go to the gym, I go, you know, I go to work, I come home, I kiss my wife, she makes me dinner, you know, put my son to bed, we go to bed, we do the exact same thing the next day. You know, people like there are certain people that push themselves outside of their bubbles. There are certain people that do things that are uncomfortable to them. You know, yeah. it's 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 the kind. It's what kind of life do you want to live? But at the same time, it's like freaking. You know, when you get, you know, the higher up the totem pole you get, freaking. You know, we talk. You know, we've talked before about how image is kind of everything in certain positions. You know, wrestlers are. You know, a public figure, freaking presidents or public figure, priest or a public figure. You know, it's, you know, there, you know, in certain positions, you know, there's people that, you know, the higher up you get up the totem pole, the more control you have over what, you know, happens to the people below you. Dude, this references so many conspiracy theories, but like, I get so turned off by conspiracy theories. Like, I can, I feel like I'm smart enough to understand when. Like I do believe that the our government killed John F. Kennedy because of his stance on 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 uh, Cuba, 
and, okay. and what he was holding back on. I mean, there's a lot of evidence for it. It makes sense. I wish it didn't. You know, I would like okay. to think that someone, some random asshole killed President Kennedy. Mm-hmm. But everything else points to a different different uh, agendas. And then we've got things like the Bohemian Grove. Have you heard of that out of L.A., man? Like these guys? I have not. Uh, the Bohemian... I might have, I just heard it's all something else, but... They worship an owl. And there was a, one of those conspiracy theory uh, journalists uh, got in and, like, you know, very high up people there. They're worshiping a burning owl. And, like, the the, the, the people... They even talked about Danny Glover being part of it. Like, okay. Actually seeing Danny Glover at that sort of thing. Like, it's it's one of those... Like, uh, did you ever see the the Ninth Gate where Satanists weren't really Satanists? They were just a bunch of bored fucking millionaire, like, power movers that... Uh, wanted to just be in depraved orgies and be as fucked up as they can be. Yeah. Um, that's what they're referencing here, and that's what the Bohemian Grove is. And uh, okay. listeners, if you don't know what that is, uh, careful, it's a rabbit hole. And <laughs> it is a serious rabbit hole. They, they reference that, but they also say that like, the Department of Truth is like, yeah, these guys are fucked up. We'll kill who we have to. Um, but at the same time, though, like, we can't let anyone know we exist at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, under no means necessary should anyone know that we're the balance keepers, like, like the the extra step meta for Men in Black. And yeah, uh, this uh, is, I, I can't believe you couldn't you couldn't know something like that because if you did, freaking the cat's out of the bag, and then people are gonna people are gonna have something to say regardless. Yeah, man, I remember hearing about, like, when I was DJing in Oklahoma City, like, if you were a good enough DJ, you'd get hired at these uh, parties in, uh, in uh, uh, Nichols Hills, which was, like, the, the, the big rich area. And yep. I had a buddy tell me he DJed a party there, and he did everything he could to stay away from these people and made sure that they thought he was too much of a dummy and thought it was just a drug party. But it was all the rich people in Oklahoma City just, like, just fucking. <laughs> and... Butlers walking around to a with, soundtrack, with, yeah, to a to a good DJ with like silver, you know, silver plates of fucking coke. I mean, you know, you go to a nice party and they've got you know wine flutes, but like he's mm-hmm. telling me plates of coke, like that room's all girls. <laughs> like heard dogs barking. Uh, I was really fucking freaked out. <laughs> like okay, all right, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things, man. It's like if you leave people to their own devices, it's like the the concept of the purge. If you had 24 hours to freaking do whatever you wanted and with no repercussions, what would you do? Man, like, just go I mean, back it's, to what we're talking it'd be, about. It'd be man. interesting, you know? Because there's going to be people that are going to go buck wild crazy and freaking it's not going to be good. But then you hear those friends that have done a bunch of DMT and make shit happen with their minds and mm-hmm. or like uh, like a lot of people don't believe in uh, extrasensory uh, perception, but mm-hmm. it happens to you every day. How many times have you ever felt someone looking at you and you turn around? You felt it. Yeah. How many times have you ever thought about someone and they called you with no cue? Yeah. Or the entire concept of deja vu. Dude, I heard a really good concept of deja vu the other day. Uh, my concept of deja vu the whole time was that uh, every time I had deja vu uh, was that I was, it was a reminder that I am where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was like a, hey, hey, good job, you made it from point A to point B, now you're to point X, and uh, regardless of what you've fucked up or done right, like, you're still on the right path. 
Uh, yeah. the, the other thing I heard the other day is that deja vu from the multiversity concept is uh, the infinite idea that what we're doing has happened a million times and you know we can't break our cycle. Uh, it, there's that idea, but also uh, deja vu is a not just the matrix where someone changed things. Change things. It's when uh, at the right exact moment, you and your other you in a different parallel universe are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't believe it, but I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's definitely. Cause that's the thing. I mean, who you know? Like, I'm a big believer in like aliens. I think I was like, I think it's ignorant to think we're the only ones. 100. In the entire in the entire universe that 100%. freaking you know made it out, made it this far. You know, and I think the the fact that they have not, we have not seen them yet, shows how smart they are. They they talk about it in Department of Truth. Uh, they talk about the lizard people, uh, but in aliens, man, I, like I love. My my favorite idea of aliens has been from the X Files. Well, like yeah, they're here, and then also from the uh, last track in the Tool record Lateralis Fap de Odd, where it's a recording of a guy that we used to work at um, Area Fifty One. He's like, you know, they, I got left. Uh, I, I I I got left. Uh, I got laid off on. You know, I got hurt. And um, your idea of what aliens are uh, is not right. They're actually interdimensional beings, and they're here already, and the government knows about them, and they're up to something, and they can move us to safe places, and they're not. And that, and then the X-Files one was the aliens are here, and all the bad guys that you hated throughout it were actually trying to find a vaccine for that black oil. The aliens were the black oil, and they were trying to find out every every shitty thing that happened was them trying to was uh, and Mulder was you know trying to uncover and finding was just vestiges of their um, experiments and their uh, uh, journey to find a vaccine that the aliens couldn't possess us with the with the their black oil selves, and then of course okay. uh, then there's the the Star Trek version. Uh, that until you are developed enough to develop warp one, uh, to travel uh, at light speed, that you are not a developed enough um, culture for other alien entities to interact with. You, you, if they interact with you, it's a crime against nature because you have to find it on yourself, on your, on your, on your own. Yeah. And then once you develop warp one, and then you're able to be asked into you know, uh, whatever federation. Uh, Colin knows way more about this, but it's it's more of a like you're. There's these monkeys fucking with shit, and you're waiting for them to find the right thing, and then that they're smart enough to not destroy themselves to be a higher, higher intelligence, being. maybe. Yeah, higher I mean, being. I mean, why would aliens fuck with us? Or it's in our nature to destroy ourselves. Yeah. Then again, you say it's not in their nature to do the same, though. Man, I don't know. The, that's the one thing. Uh, it, uh, Colin asked me years ago, like, w w what do I think the next step in evolution should be? And I'm like, I'll tell you what the next step should be is to have a heightened sense of uh, self-preservation. If we had a heightened sense of self-preservation, we wouldn't be smoking, we wouldn't be drinking, we wouldn't have incest porn on TV, uh, we, wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have a lot of things. We would have uh, people trying to, you know, discover more and more things and be united and, instead of, like hatred and like racism still exists like yeah boundaries yeah and like the, the the world is getting in my opinion the world is getting too big for us stupid fucking monkeys because like our our bigger groups of people in texas and like i saw this thing that was divvied up like everything's divvied up for the hunger games and like like the south was 
was like section three. Guys, the recorder cut out right at the end, but we were pretty much done anyway. This transmission is over, and this is dangerous. Ah.